Welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We're a spiritual and spirited community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning. I'm very glad you all are here. I extend a special welcome to those of you visiting with us this morning. If you have questions about this congregation or about Unitarian Universalism, please ask the friendly and knowledgeable people at the visitor table or ask me and we'll be happy to try to get your questions answered. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there's a spark of the divine in every person. So it is in the spirit of that heritage that I say, let us greet the holy in our midst by turning to the person to your right and left and welcoming them here this morning. Let us say together the words by which we light our chalice. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. Our call to worship this morning is from Lao Tzu. If there is to be peace in the world, there must be peace in the nations. If there is to be peace in the nations, there must be peace in the cities. If there is to be peace in the cities, there must be peace between neighbors. If there is to be peace between neighbors, there must be peace in the home. If there is to be peace in the home, there must be peace in the heart. On any given Sunday, we have in this room people with roots and practices from every major world religion also from neo-paganism, also from old-school paganism, also from staunch atheism. We have a little of everything. What holds us together? One of the things that holds this congregation and guides our feet as we run the race is our mission statement. We wrote it on the wall and we say it together every Sunday. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. I don't know what you do when you're feeling stressed. One of the things that I do is I try to breathe. If I can't breathe easily, I try to write what's bothering me until I can breathe. If I can't write out what's bothering me, I usually light a fire in the front yard. <laughs> It's like lighting a candle, only a candle's not big enough for this week. We're not going to light a fire right now. We're just going to breathe together. Some of us are praying people. Some of us pray to God and some pray to God as we understand God. Goddess, the earth, the trees, the sky, the spirit of truth and life. We need help. We need to help one another. One of the ways we help one another is to breathe together, make room for prayer, make room for meditation, make room for just listening to our inner wisdom or our breath. 
listening to our breath as it goes in and out of our bodies. Let us enter the wise silence together, understanding that in this congregation, small child noises and the noises of life count as part of the silence. We've been talking about the Eightfold Path of Buddhism. We've gotten to the strand of the path that talks about right speech. Words matter. We've been in a part of our cultural history where most of us are completely floored and flummoxed by the words that have been used in our political discourse. We've been watching the pundit struggle with how to do this performance of objectivity that they have to do as journalists while someone just lies right to their face. And you know they're lying, and they know they're lying, and you know that you know that you're lying, and we all know that you're lying, and yet you're lying really fast. And what do you do about it? Journalists aren't used to just going, that's a lie. But they're doing it now. We've seen how the culture starts to show cracks when you can't count on people's words. We're used to a little, a little lying, you know, TV ads. We're used to social lying. We're used to, you know, people who say, oh, I just love this kind of music, don't you? For me, I have confessed to you before, it's bluegrass. I can listen. I love singing bluegrass. I just don't like listening to other people um, <laughs> play bluegrass. I can do like three songs and then I'm done. Same thing with gangster rap. I like it for a little while and then I'm just like, ugh. Um, other rap I love. But I've... I am a person who tries to tell the truth all the time. And so it makes social lying uh, not possible. So I go, oh, there's a special place in my heart for that kind of music. <laughs> it's the part of my heart where I'm like... <laughs> The Buddha said, right speech means um, refrain from lying, refrain from divisive speech, refrain from abusive speech, and refrain from idle chatter. I know, I hear y'all going, boy, that doesn't leave much. <laughs> So we refrain from lying because when you lie, you take away the firm ground upon which we can build relationships. You can't have an authentic and intimate relationship with somebody who's lying to you all the time. A lie sits there in the road between the two of you like a big boulder and everything has to go around this lie. Even if it's a lie the other person doesn't know you told, especially that, because then you know something they don't know, and you can't help but feel like they might be a little stupid for not knowing it. It changes the way that you treat them. 
Lying is a terribly damaging practice. For Halloween, Kaya and I always build a fire in our front yard. We have a big fire bowl. We build a fire. For a lot of children that that are in our neighborhood, it's the first live fire they've ever seen. And so they're horrified by it. They think it's going to jump out and burn them up, which is good. It's good to be careful of fire. And then we have these two torches, tiki torches. We light the tiki torches. This one kid comes, we go, pass through the torches of terror. <laughs> and so the kids come through and look at the fire. And this one kid, he's like, he's in a stormtrooper uniform. He's like, that's not real fire. And I said, yes, it is. And he turned his back and walked away and said, you're a liar. And I just thought, <laughs> first of all, the mother and me had to resist jumping out of my chair and grabbing him by his ear. <laughs> like, wait, wait, I'm not his mother. But it was so shocking to me because it's a really important element of my being in the world to tell the truth, inconvenient as that may be. So refrain, abstain from lying. Also abstain from divisive speech. I think that's any speech, and the Buddha, the Buddhist teachers say that's a speech that divides people into us and them. So if you take a whole group and categorize them, you know, I know this about people from Texas, or I know this about people who are Muslims, or I know this about people who are from Mexico, or I know this. It's <laughs> number one, it's ridiculous. Because you can't paint anybody with a broad brush. You can't categorize people. What would people say about Texans that we wouldn't instantly know is not true? Because we actually know hundreds and hundreds of Texans. So any speech that divides people into us and them, and it's more difficult than you would imagine not to do that. Because there's always some kind of category of people that you feel is not us. And part of our life's work is to become sturdy enough spiritually and open-hearted enough so that we can talk about us and mean more and more people when we talk about us, when we use the word us. Does that make sense? The printer wouldn't print my sermon this morning, so now I'm just looking right at you. <laughs> I hope it's not disconcerting. Um, Maybe by second service, I'll get it to print. Anyway, so divisive speech is another kind of speech that we've heard very, very often in this last 500 days. We know what it is. We know how it feels. We know how shocking it feels. And we know to some degree how liberating it feels when we can be part of the us and some other poor fools are part of the them. And we go, ah, those... If you're in a certain circle of people, and we have conservatives here in this church, we have liberals here in this church, we have independents here in this church. But if you're in the liberal group, for example, um, in my little Facebook bubble, I hear people go, oh, those Trump people, how stupid are they? They can't even see blah, 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 or this or that or this. And it's, it's liberating in a way to just completely trash another group of people. But it also kind of makes you sick because you know they're not like, they are not like that. 
You know that there are people who really want what's best for themselves, their families, and the country. They just have a different idea about what it is than your bubble of Facebook friends do. And some of us have Facebook friends and family who are on all different sides of this. And people have actually been unfriending each other because of the divisiveness of this. Those of you who are not on Facebook, I'm sorry I'm using Facebook language, but unfriending is like saying, you're dead to me. I don't want to see you anymore. And I had an experience the other day. Kaya and I were in Madame Mams and we were eating our curry and um, there was a conversation going on loud in the, in the booth behind us, two guys. One was a Trump guy and one was a Hillary guy, a Clinton guy. And they were just going at it. I mean, the F-bombs were flying. Not that I really understood what that meant, but... Um, <laughs> And they both had really good points, and they were hanging with each other. Nobody was unfriending anybody. They were still friends. You could tell. Even, by, even after 40 minutes of this, they were still, they were going to have lunch, and they were going to have lunch again after this. You could tell. They were not angry at each other. It was very cool. So, refrain from divisive speech, any speech that makes us and them. Again, I'm relieved to tell you that the Buddha never said, if you lie, if you speak about us and them, you're a bad person. No. The Buddha never said, this is bad, this is good. That's not the frame of reference. What he said was, this makes you sick, and this makes you well. This makes you unhappy, and this makes you happy. Just try it. So when you start thinking us and them, don't go, oh, you're a bad person. Just think, oh, there, I'm doing it again. I noticed that. Maybe I would feel better if I didn't do that. How could I not do it? I wonder. wonder how I could not do it. One of my spiritual teachers is an Aikido master named Wendy Palmer, and she says wondering is so much more effective than willing. So instead of going, I will not do that anymore, you go, I wonder what it would be like if I did this differently. I wonder what it would be like if I thought of everybody as us. Okay, then refrain from abusive speech. Um, Melania Trump had it right when she said a lot of people are abusive on the internet and that we shouldn't do that. And I agree with her. We are abusive to each other sometimes by email, sometimes on the internet, because our normal human soul connection with a person that we're standing right next to is not really there. We're in our pajamas, we're in our living room, we can say terrible things and then hit send, or we can just sound a little sharper than we meant to, because, you know, we're hungry and our finger hurts and... We just go, scent, without really realizing there's another person on the other end of that, a tender person on the other end of that. So we speak abusively. Some people speak abusively to their children. You've heard them. It's very painful. Some of us were spoken abusively to as children. It hurts at such a deep level. And it's hard to get rid of it because those voices are always in there. 
And you wonder, are they right? Am I stupid? Am I never going to be any good? Am I a clumsy person? Is everything my fault? And some of us speak abusively to ourselves. Many, 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 many people would be arrested by Child Protective Services if they spoke to a child the way they speak to themselves. Hopefully. So, if you're standing there with a friend of yours and your friend goes, oh my gosh, I'm so stupid. I can't believe how stupid I was. You can just say, don't talk about my friend that way. It makes you sick to speak to yourself that way. Think what would happen if you could speak sweetly to yourself. Think how much we would nourish each other's souls and transform each other's lives if we just spoke sweetly with truth. What would happen if um, every time you thought nice something about someone, you shot off an email to that person, said, I was just thinking about you and I was thinking this about you. I'm telling you what, they'll read it more than once. It matters. Words matter. Words build relationships. Avoid idle chatter. That's the last one. That's a hard one. I don't agree with that one. Sorry, sorry to disagree with the Buddha. Um, I know there's idle chatter that drives a person crazy. Because you can listen to your, your teenager on the phone. And you can go, how in the seven levels of heaven are they still on the phone talking about nothing? been 30 minutes. Nothing. They're building relationship. They're building relationship. What the Buddha did say was, before you say something, first ask, is it true? And then ask, is it useful? I'm on board with that. Some Buddhist teacher on down the line, though, said, ask yourself whether your speech is an improvement on silence. Okay. Silence is great, and we need a certain amount of silence. But if you've had a certain amount of silence already, it loses how great it is. <laughs> See what I'm saying? It depends on how, what you've had most recently, speech or silence. That controls what you want. As, anyway, I'm about to go down a rabbit hole. I was, a, I was a couples counselor for a long time in South Carolina. And I had a couple whose wife wanted her husband to tell her he loved her more often. And he said, he was a dear man, wonderful man. But he said, darling, I told you on our wedding day that I loved you. And if anything changes, I will let you know. <laughs> I 
I read about a great teacher who decided that he really was going to only speak when his speech would be an improvement on silence. And then he turned out it was silent for 13 years. And I think, well, he must not have been married for long. Because you can starve a person's soul to death by not talking to them. And idle chatter feeds the soul if you haven't had any in a long time. I know lots of couples where one said to the other, how was your day at the end of the day? And then, then they get an answer. Is it a fulsome, detailed answer? Depends on the person. Sometimes the person, does, like my sons used to, when I said, how was school? They'd go, fine. I would say, you know, I need more than fine, because I want to know how your life is. I want to know how your soul is. I want to know how your spirit is. And they go, my life is fine, my soul is fine, and my spirit is fine. (laughs) Thank you. I have one friend who asked her husband how his day was, and he says, do you want my version or do you want your version? And she says, well, first give me your version. And he says, my day was great. She says, now give me my version. He goes, well, I woke up this morning and I brushed my teeth. And the one back here was feeling a little sensitive, so I'm not sure what's going on with that. (laughs) She was like, okay, okay, I get it. it." People need talk. We need to talk to each other. We need to know each other. Authentic talk is really difficult. And sometimes you have to have a conversation with somebody that's so difficult you'll put it off for years. But it sits there, right, like a boulder in the road between the two of you. I have to talk to my sister sometime about politics. Do I want to? I do not. Do I want her to know? That when she supports this church or that politician who would happily take all gay people and put them in a camp for re-education, <laughs> that it hurts me and it hurts our relationship, I would like to tell her that. But she would be hurt by that. So better me hurt than her. So far. Conversations are very, very difficult if we're going to tell one another the truth. And we have to speak truth with kindness. And that's even harder. How do you speak truth with kindness? You can. We were talking about a really important book called Compassionate Conversations. Is that what they're called? Crucial Conversations. Thank you. I was talking to Margaret about it. And the questions are, what do I, what do I want to happen from this conversation for, for me? What do I want for you to happen from this? And what do I want to happen for us from this conversation? Was that about it? Okay. And so that makes a difficult conversation more possible. Because if all you want is to relieve your own feelings and you don't care anything about what is in it for them, you shouldn't have the conversation yet. Does that make sense? So right speech is something that we practice and practice and practice. Because if we have abusive speech or lying or divisive speech or too much idle chatter, the Buddha says, 
I think there is such a thing as too much. Then it makes us sick. Is gossip okay? Gossip's in there. Some people say, I never speak about it. It's not there. Oh, come on. It's community building. To talk about each other. You say, did you know that this person is a great rider of horses? No, I didn't know that. No, next time you see her, ask her about it. That's not gossip. A rabbi said gossip is something that lowers another person in the estimation of the person you're talking to. But you're allowed, the rabbi says, if what you're doing is a good faith warning to this person about that person. (laughs) The Hebrew Bible and the Christian Bible have lots to say about the tongue. And the Talmud, which is not the Bible, but it's a commentary on the Bible, says the tongue is the only organ that God made lying down and enclosed in a box. Let's use our wisdom to figure it out. What right speech is for us? Will you say together with me the words by which we extinguish our chalice? We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. Sing with me if you care to, and... Sing it ten times a day until we know what's going on. (laughs) Could be a while. I know this rose will open. I know my fear will burn away. I know my soul will unfurl its wings. I know this rose will open. Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at www.austinuu.org.